0: Well, hi, this is Pastor Mitch Horton with the Victory Church Weekly Podcasts. I've been pastor here at Victory Church since 1994, and I've been teaching and preaching God's Word for over 42 years. In my podcast, I want to take time to share biblical concepts with you, breaking them down in a way that's meaningful, easy to understand, and will help create a strong foundation for your spiritual growth. I want to see you grow closer to God, and I firmly believe that if you'll take the principles I teach and apply them to your life, that you'll start to see God moving in your life like never before. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Well, what a crazy and exciting time to be alive. Uh, welcome back to our Victory Church uh, weekly podcast. Pastor Mitch here. So glad you chose to join me today. Got some great things to share from the Word of God. My heart in having these podcasts is just simply to give encouragement to those that attend Victory Church and anybody else who happens to, you know, listen to the podcast. So glad you're with me. And uh, hey, uh, let me know that you're listening. Uh, you can ask any question, any comments, Pastor at VictoryChurchRaleigh is my email address. Love to hear from you. And uh, also, uh, if you like whatever, if you're watching, listening on Spotify or listening on uh, on uh, uh, in any of the other apps, um, I'm drawing a blank here, uh, Apple Podcast or whatever else, please. Uh, Please, uh, you know, like the podcast and share them with your friends. That makes a lot of difference, and we appreciate that. I want to get right to the subject today. Uh, it's on my heart. <clears throat> We're living in a time just looks like just prior to Jesus' return. Uh, it's a, a an eerie parallel. What's happening today is an, becoming an eerie parallel to what we see in Matthew 24 as Jesus spoke to the disciples of what, about what the world would look like prior to Jesus return and then also revelation chapter 6 which which again I would use the word parallels a parallel chapter to what Jesus spoke in Matthew 24 Matthew uh, revelation 6 is the seals on the God, scroll in God's right hand that scroll contains all of the judgments that will cleanse the earth and defeat the Antichrist and Satan and bring in the new heavens and new earth. So those seals are broken on the outside of the scroll, and those seals are, are a really unusual parallel to what Jesus said would be happening just prior to his, his return in Matthew 24. And um, and so again, uh, and, and then also look at 2 Timothy 3, uh, the first five verses, uh, Paul talked about what Uh, the social uh, aspects of culture would look like just prior to Jesus' return. Again, it's a hand-in-glove fit. So again, uh, I know a lot of people are saying the rapture of the church could be any time. It's imminent, and a lot of people are looking for the rapture to whisk us away from all the Tragedies and challenges that are in the future of the world just prior to the second coming of Christ. I have a different view. I think Jesus is going to take us out of here, but not before the Antichrist appears and not before just some real serious times come that Jesus called the Great Tribulation, which is the last three and a half years of the seven year period we talk about typically. That's the tribulation. So I think we're going to be here for a while. Having said that, Jesus didn't tell us to crawl in a cave and and you know kind of hunker down and 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 just try to endure the best he said occupy till i come that means we are a force for god we are the kingdom of god in on earth today and we have an authority listen to this that nobody else has there is nobody else in the world i don't care who it is what pedigree they're from how many degrees and initials after their name they have listen We as Christians, as dedicated believers in Christ Jesus, he has bequeathed to us his authority on the earth, and we are the only ones. I know it's strange to say it. You don't hear this very often, but it's true. Believers are the only ones who have authority over demonic uh, Uh, over demonic things on the earth. Those principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places talked about by the Apostle Paul in in, in Ephesians chapter 6. We have authority over those and we, we need to exercise that authority. Let me remind you again as we get into this because I want to talk about Praying and primarily praying in the spirit to do that. Let me just kind of set the baseline for this the reason we need to pray the reason we need to spend a lot of time now praying in the spirit is because uh, these are times of great danger. At where uh, the enemy is asserting himself, uh, really seeking to uh, overcome God's kingdom on earth and set up his own kingdom here like he wanted to do in heaven when he was kicked out. Don't forget that Lucifer, the bright one, Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, was kicked out of heaven because of pride, led an insurrection of angels. At least a third of the angels fell when he fell, he gossiped against God. He was jealous of God's power, thought he could do a better job. And uh, he was a, a very dangerous person because he was lifted up in pride. And he, he was kicked out of heaven by God, along with at least a third of the angels, Revelation 12.3, seems to allude to, and then fell to the earth. And when he came here, there was, uh, anyway, got, he corrupted the, the, the earth in his fall. Don't forget that when God created Adam, Genesis 1.26, he said, I give you authority. He said, uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over creation. I'm using my words, not, not exactly a quote from the scripture, Genesis 1, 26, 27. God gave Adam and Eve, that is the human race in them, gave them a, a, an earthwide authority under God's all authority. Now that's very clear in scripture. And then when Adam and Eve fell and they sinned against God, <laughs> Two things happened. They broke their fellowship with God. Secondly, um, the authority that God had bequeathed to to the human race in them was automatically transferred um, to God's arch enemy, Satan. Adam and Eve literally committed high treason against God. That is the benefit and the authority that God had given them. They transferred to, to uh, God's arch enemy when they obeyed him by disobeying God's uh, mandate not to touch. Not to eat of the fruit of the tree uh, of the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil, and it was a test. They failed the test, and hence Satan became, as the Scripture says in the New Testament, Second Corinthians four four, the god of this world. Jesus said in uh, in uh, uh, John fourteen thirty, the prince of this world comes, and he has. Uh, nothing in me. First John 5, 19 says we know we're the children of God and that the whole world around us is under um, uh, the control of the evil one. So again, it's clear in scripture that <clears throat> Satan has usurped the authority that God gave Adam and Eve. He has a legal, had a legal right, whether it's moral or not, You know, it's he, he had a legal right to do it. When Adam and Eve transgressed God, when they disobeyed God, that, that authority God had given, uh, at the human race was given to us. it's very clear. And then don't forget Luke 4, uh, during Jesus' wilderness temptations, Satan take, took Jesus to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. In a, in a moment of time, perhaps uh, the kingdoms were displayed by a symbol of Roman power on top of a building. We really don't know. And the devil said to him, listen, all this authority, this is Luke 4, 6, all this authority I will give you. That's what Satan said to Jesus. And their glory for this has been delivered to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. How did? How was the authority of the kingdoms of the world delivered to Satan? Well, uh, that was a bona fide temptation. Uh, it, it, you know, Satan is a liar, but what he said then was true. The authority was given to him. When was it given to him? When Adam and Eve sinned. So again, uh, it's very clear. Hebrews 2, listen to this. This is the contemporary English version. Somewhere in the scripture, someone says to God, what makes you care about us humans? Why are you concerned for weaklings such as we? You made us lower than the angels for a while, yet you have crowned us with glory and honor and you have put everything under our power. God has put everything under, the power, under our power and has not left anything out of our power. Speaking of the human race, when God first created Adam and Eve, but... The last sentence of, of uh, verse 8, Hebrews 2, but we still don't see it all under our power because something happened when Adam and Eve sinned, and that is the, the earth-wide authority God gave them to oversee the earth under his all authority was transferred to Satan, and he became the uh, ruler of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience you see his work in daniel chapter 10 as daniel was asking god about his people the israelites and what would be happening and he began to seek god and uh with uh, a daniel fast we call it now and now it's very popularized where he ate no pleasant bread and he ate no meat and uh, just ate vegetables and anything that grew from the ground for three weeks and um and and while he was praying an angel appeared to him and said this in Daniel 10:12 from the first day that you gave your heart to get wisdom and make yourself poor in spirit before your God to humble yourself before God your words have come to his ears and i have come because of your words but the kingdom prince angel of the kingdom of persia put himself against me for 21 days but michael one of the chief angels Came to my help when I came. He was still there with the angel of the kings of Persia. So there's a there's a war in the heavenlies. There's the demonic forces, the prince of the kingdom of Persia versus the the forces of God, headed up by Michael, one of the chief angels. It says in the scripture. So again, it just shows the tremendous spiritual battle that is uh, that's going on constantly. Uh, in the atmosphere surrounding the earth, Satan has a legal right to be here and um Luke uh, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter twelve mentions the fact that he's come down in great wrath, knowing that he has but a short time so again, Satan is stirring up his uh his angst against the human race and his attacks against us. And it seems like that would increase tremendously just prior to Jesus' return during what we typically call the tribulation. And then Jesus called three and a half years of that, the last three and a half, the great tribulation. So those are the things that the scriptures indicate that are in the future. The good news is Jesus has given us authority over Satan and all of his Forces. Don't forget that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, all authority is given unto me, both in heaven and on earth. And then he immediately said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. When Jesus said, go therefore, in Matthew 28, 18, 19, when he said that, he was bequeathing the authority that he had gotten as a human being. He was the God-man. When Jesus was raised from the dead, the scripture says he spoiled principalities and powers and uh, made a show of them openly triumphing over them in His sacrifice and His death, burial, and resurrection and has literally, literally defeated Satan for us and when Jesus just before he ascended said all authority is given unto me he was speaking as the representative new creation man the believer in Christ is is follows his example we are part of his family we're a, we're he's the head of a brand new race of people new creation people and of all the people on earth we have authority over satan and Jesus wants us to exercise authority i have a question i wonder how many believers today are Actually, exercising the God given authority that Jesus gave them when He was raised from the dead. I would submit that very few are because they're not taught that they have the authority and they're taught that everything that comes down the pike of life is God's will and God's plan. No, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus comes to give life. So there is a thief let loose, and some of the things that happen, they're diabolical, they're treacherous, they're terrible, awful things happen. God's not the author of those things. Satan is, and God wants us to take our authority under him as we walk in fellowship with him, as directed by him, and take authority over the demonic forces that are seeking direct havoc in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, with our children, in our communities, as we pray the kingdom of of god the kingdom of satan is hindered and the kingdom of god is able to rise when jesus was raised from the dead in revelation 118 when he appeared to john um, uh, he said i am he who lives and i was dead and behold i'm alive forevermore and i have the keys of hell and of death the keys represent authority and jesus gave us his authority when he was raised from the dead, Ephesians one nineteen, uh, the apostle Paul as he's praying for believers. He prays that believers would come to understand the incredible greatness of God's power to us as believers. And he said, it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly places, far above any ruler, authority, power, leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him to uh, head over all things for the benefit of the Church and then Ephesians two six says that he has raised us up him with him. Jesus didn't leave us uh, bereft and forlorn. He left. He didn't leave us. Uh, you know, just wondering how things are going to make it, just barely dragging by. He raised us up with him, and we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. That is a place of authority. That is a place of responsibility. That is a place of the representation of the kingdom of God. And my friend believer, that's where you and I sit today. We are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. The authority that God gave Jesus, uh, he has also given to us. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he took from Satan the authority that God had uh, that God had given Adam, that Adam had bequeathed to him in his disobedience. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, that authority was taken away and given to the church. Now, Satan has a, has a legal right to be here. It's like he has a lease of dominion on the earth. Earth. that lease is not yet up so he still has a right to be here and oversee the kingdom of darkness and and he overlords over those who don't know the lord or those who know God, but do nothing with their authority in Christ. He still lords over them. But we as believers during this time period, we have authority over Satan. And when we say stop in the name of Jesus, he has to stop in the name of Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? So, so we have authority to bind. We have authority to loose, Jesus said in Matthew 18:18, uh, We've been delivered from the authority of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of his son, Colossians 1:13. Jesus is head over all principality, and power, uh, Colossians 1, 15, 16, that section of Scripture. So bottom line is I'm just trying to uh, set a foundation for what I'm about to say, and that you have authority in Christ Jesus. And let me also say this, that Scripture is very clear that that the world is going to go haywire things are going to be calamitous, difficult things are going to occur. The Antichrist will rise up. He will deceive the nations of the world. There will be, to some degree, a global government. How many nations actually yield to that is, uh, in my view, up in the air. Will America, if our leaders allow it, yes. If we pray, perhaps God can stanch that. It seems as though there is a judgment set against America because of our egregious sins and walking away from, the, the, from the, the morals that our holy God has given us in Christ and the things that made our nation great are the morals of the Ten Commandments and the morals of Christianity uh, and Christianity is based on the Ten Commandments, and now the law of God's written in our heart, right? So, you know, again, we have authority. I'm just trying to uh, uh, make the point here and belabor the point, perhaps, that we have authority in Christ, and we need to exercise that authority. Today, I want to take a, I want to maneuver and and a caveat into a different area of thinking. Since we do have authority, friends, if we ever needed to pray, we need to pray now. There are some things that we can change. There are some things that we cannot change. There are some things that are set because because it's been prophesied by the um, prophets of the Old Testament about the return of the Messiah to earth uh, to overcome and to set up his rule here. Uh, it's also been mentioned by the Lord Jesus. It's been talked about by the Apostle Paul, by the Apostle Peter. In their uh, epistles, it's also been shown to John, uh, uh, the apostle John, uh, when he was banished to the Isle of Patmos in the Aegean Sea for the because of his testimony of the word of God. So, again, book of Revelation. So, again, these things are going to happen. You can't change some of these things. Some of these things that are coming, I know full well they're going to come and we can't change them. What we can do is assert our spiritual influence as as believers in the Lord Jesus and people of the kingdom of God, we can assert our spiritual influence where we are, and we can pray and ask God to work miraculous things and bring people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus and and minister life to people and let people be set free from demon power and let people be healed. We should be praying for God's kingdom to come, For his will to be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. And in context, again, let me say it. There's some things we can change. There's some things that we cannot change. But just because there are some things that we cannot change doesn't mean that we just simply throw in the towel and que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. No, we must exercise our God-given rights in Christ, and we must assert the kingdom of God under Jesus' direction while we're here. That's God's plan. That's where our prayer life comes in. This should be a time that we're not praying less. We should be praying more. And here's the skinny. When you pray, God does amazing things. We exercise authority in prayer. We exercise authority over demonic forces that are trying to hinder the people that we love and family members and friends and and our communities that we live in. We pray as we pray and exercise that authority. We should also be praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit is a tremendous Tool and aid and assist that God has given us uh, in our earthly life before we transition to heaven and death, we have the tremendous honor of walking with God and of praying in other tongues and walking with Him in that way. So, God wants to do amazing things. And as you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, let me mention this. You know, um, uh, I guess it was 48 years ago in September, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, September 12th, 1976, and then uh, spoke with other tongues. I've been praying in the Spirit now every day of my life since September um, 12th, 1976. I have spent time speaking in other tongues, speaking in the unknown tongue, praying in the Spirit. All of those are synonymous terms, and that experience comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9 with the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 10 in Cornelius' household, Acts chapter 19 in the city of Ephesus. These instances in the book of Acts are instances where believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost in Acts 2, Samaria, Acts 8. Uh, Cornelius, a Gentile's household in Acts 10, the Apostle Paul in Acts 9, and then, as as I said, um, um, the city of Ephesus, the Ephesian believers in Acts 19, were all baptized with the Holy Spirit. In every instance in the New Testament, the book of Acts, where believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they also also spoke with other tongues. Now, there are cessationists among us who say uh, that that was all relegated to the past. It's only for the first century to get the church start started. And then when the Bible was full came in full. And now we have the, Canaan of scripture we call the 66 books that we as protestants call the bible uh that but now that the bible is completed we no longer need that which they needed in the first century which is the power of the holy spirit my friends that i absolutely disagree with there is not one scripture in the new testament that reveals the fact that uh, these g- spiritual gifts and the power of God ceases with the, with the first century believers and with the last apostle dying. Not, no, nothing in the New Testament says that. G- in fact, Peter preaching in Acts 2 said the promise is to you, to your children, and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the ability to pray in tongues and walk in the gifts of the Spirit. The, the uh, promise is to you, your children, Acts 2.38, and to all that are afar off, even to as many, as the Lord our God shall call. So these things are not just for the first century. In fact, they had tremendous pressure the in the first century um and um the uh, first century believers were persecuted desperately by by Rome and uh and and they had tremendous challenges. And and you know likewise we who are living at the end of the church age, we have uh we're going to have just as much if not more pressure than they had in the first century. And you know what? God has given us the same equipment that he gave the disciples and believers in the first century. He has given us his word and he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit that is mentioned in all these verses that I've talked about just now in the book of Acts, with the the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes a tremendous assist to our prayer life in being able to pray with other tongues. Praying in other tongues, tongues as the Holy Spirit helping us to pray. Uh, The Apostle Paul said in, in Romans 8, 26, in the same manner, the Spirit helps our weakness. What is our weakness? We do not know what we should pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself helps us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart, Romans eight twenty seven knows what the mind or will of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When I'm praying in the Spirit after I have received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I am praying the perfect will of God. And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the ensuing ability to pray in other tongues, There is a tremendous assist to a personal, private prayer life that comes with that experience. It is incredible, it is amazing, and it's a God-given gift that we should all take advantage of. My prayer life and my spiritual life really took off after I had received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Can you be a believer without the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Well, of course you can If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you'll be saved. But for the saved person, for the believer in the Lord Jesus, there is a gift that God wants to give you, just like he gave the disciples in the early church in Acts chapter 1. He told them to wait in Jerusalem until they be clothed with power from on high. He said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me all over the world. And that same power that was available to the first century believer is available today in the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of those things, again, that comes with a baptism with the Holy Spirit is the ability to pray in other tongues. And is a tremendous assist to your personal private prayer life. And my encouragement today is take some time every day if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, to pray in other tongues. If you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, get on your knees and ask Jesus for everything he has for you. Go back and look up those references in Acts 2 and Acts 8 and Acts 10 and Acts 19 about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Go read what Jesus said to his disciples just before he left in the ascension in Acts chapter 1. Go back and read those things and and, and ask God for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? He will answer that prayer. And after you pray and ask him, believe you receive it, and go ahead and begin to pray in other tongues, it will come. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. With this praying in other tongues is a tremendous boon and assist in our spiritual life. And it is a way that we can pray about unknown things. And that's my advocacy today is to encourage you in your personal time with God to spend time every day praying in tongues, that is praying in the Spirit. And again, when you pray in the Spirit, it's your Spirit aided by the Holy Spirit that is praying. Let me again mention to you 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse uh, 14, Amplified Bible says, um, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. But my mind is unfruitful, unproductive, bears no fruit, and helps nobody. When I'm praying in other tongues, my spirit by the Holy Spirit, is praying. That is, my spirit is aided by the Holy Spirit. Don't forget that you're a spiritual being living in a physical body. You have a soul, you have a mind, emotions, and will. But you're a spiritual being living in a physical body. And that spiritual part of you can pray and bypass your mind. Praying in the Spirit is your spirit talking to God who is a spirit, Jesus said in John 4, 24, without the aid of your natural mind. It's spirit to spirit communion with God. You don't know what you're saying, but God knows what you're saying. Listen to this, your adversary, the enemy, Satan, and demon forces, they don't know what you're saying, but God does know what you're saying. So it is a perfect way to pray. As I mentioned earlier, Romans eight you're praying the perfect will of God when you're praying in other tongues. And so my advocacy is take some time every day to pray in the Spirit. Take some time every day to pray in other tongues because it will assist your spiritual life. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 Amplified says this, for one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God for no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters, now watch this, secret truths "'and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. "'He who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God.'" The first part of that verse says, let me ask you a question. "'Is there any value in speaking to God?' Well, the obvious answer is yes. "'So is there any value in praying in tongues?' Well, the answer is yes." If you're talking to God when you're praying in the Spirit or in tongues or in the unknown tongue, there is value in it because you're literally talking to God. You're not talking to other people. I don't generally do that in front of other people. Sometimes in our services, we sing in the Spirit. We'll pray in tongues in a, in a in a private prayer meeting. But we're all together, and that's our purpose. We're praying. But you know what? When we pray in the Spirit, the issue is we're praying to God. And the latter part of this verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, amplified. I love what it says when when um, folk, because we don't know what we're saying. It says no one understands or catches his meaning. You don't even know what you're saying when you're praying in tongues because in the Holy Spirit, and he clarifies, he, that is the person praying in tongues, utters, listen, secret truths and hidden things, not obvious to the understanding, secret truths. What are secret truths? Well, those are truths that are not revealed to you. There are things perhaps in the future that are coming down the pike of life, so to speak, that we don't know about, that are coming, that we don't know we need to pray about, that we can pray about when we're praying in the Spirit. There are things that may affect you, your family, your finances, your marriage, your children, your community, your nation, your world, your life, uh, personal things, uh, uh, general things. You could be praying about anything. He says when you're praying in other tongues, you're uttering secret truths. That is, they're things unknown to you. They're secret truths, perhaps only known to God. And then it says hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. Again, hidden things is an all-inclusive way of saying anything that we don't know uh, that God knows we can pray about by praying in other tongues. So I have taken this to task in my life, and I had decide, decided uh, after I was baptized with the Holy Spirit that Sunday night, se- uh, G- September 12th, 1976, at 7.20 p.m. when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and a guy took me at to the side and he said, you know, you need to go read 1 Corinthians 14, and you need to pray in the Spirit every day. I said, I was just dumb enough to say, okay. And I did. I was 17 years of age. And I, I, you know, I made a decision then that every day I'm gonna spend some time praying in other tongues. It was so overwhelmingly new to me and uh, it was something and it was so non-religious that I thought, man, because I was ready to quit church and just do away with God when I turned 18 and my parents could no longer guide my life. I was going to do what I wanted to do and it sure wasn't God. I wasn't going to do God, but God got a hold of me three weeks before I turned 18 and then I just wanted Jesus. So I've been praying in the spirit all those years. All these years, and I'm telling you the, the tremendous assistance that the Holy Spirit has given in life has been tremendous. Now, we're going to need that assistance in our future as things get dark and gloomy, as difficult things come, the closer we get to the coming of Jesus. And and, and, the, and, and as Matthew 24 uh, is fulfilled where Jesus talked about what it would look like before he came and as Revelation 6 is fulfilled when the seals on the scroll in God's right hand are broken, you know, we're going to need all the help we can get from the Holy Spirit, and he's here to help us until the rapture occurs, all right? And so that's why we absolutely should take advantage of the ability to pray in the Spirit or to pray in other tongues. Another thing that I have always appreciated is First Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 11, uh, where it says, For what man knows the things of a man uh, except the spirit of man which is in him? And what is that verse saying? That verse is saying that there are things that your spirit person knows that your mind does not know. Um, in fact, Philip's translation of 1 Corinthians chapter um, 2, verse 11 says this For who could really understand a man's endmost thoughts except the spirit of man himself? I really like that. So there are things that. Your, per, your spiritual nature knows that your mind does not know about you, about your future. Why? Well, if you're a Christian, you're born again. The Holy Spirit is in your spirit. Don't forget 1 Corinthians 14, 14. He said, Amplified New Testament. If I pray in the tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. Wow. So if the Holy Spirit, and he is, if the Holy Spirit's in us and he is in us, and if when we're praying in the Spirit, we're aided by the Holy Spirit. And if, as Paul said in, in Romans 8:26, the Spirit helps our weakness, and He helps us as we pray with groanings which cannot be uttered, which is talking about praying in other tongues. It's talking about praying in something other than your regular speech, and that's praying in the spirit. Groanings which cannot be uttered, mentioned in Romans 8:26, praying in other tongues. If you're praying in other tongues, you're praying the mind, purpose, and will of God, praying the perfect will of God. We're speaking secret truths and hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. Friend, that is an incredible, incredible way to pray. For it affords us an ability to pray about things that are coming up in the future. And friends, if we ever needed to be able to pray about things that are coming up in the future, it is now. It also agrees with what Jesus said. In John 16, where he said, verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The Spirit of God, he said, Jesus said here in John 16, 13, he will guide us into truth. He will tell, show us things to come, King James Version says. How is he going to show us things to come? By the help of the Holy Spirit. How is that practically going to happen? I submit that as you're praying the Spirit and you're uttering secret truths and hidden things and you're praying from your Spirit to God who is a Spirit, Uh, and your spirit, because the Holy Spirit's inside of you, knows things that your mind doesn't know. I want to submit that those things that you need to pray about that are in your future, you can pray about them by praying in other tongues. Say, well, pastor, you say, well, um, it seems like a really gloomy time just before Jesus comes back. Well, you know it does. That is true. And the world is literally haywire right now. But you know what? God has given us a tool, something that we can use every day that can navigate us through the rough waters that we're in. We can pray in the Spirit. That is, we can pray in other tongues. And when we are do, we are praying the perfect will of God for whatever needs prayer. We're uttering secret truths and hidden things. I keep saying these things over and over. Uh, I, it, once this begins to register on you, it changes a lot of things. So, so let me give you a few examples before I conclude today. I got up this morning and I spent some time this morning just simply praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit, as I have every day of my life since September 12, 1976. Now I've expanded that time. And let me just say, when you start praying in the Spirit, that is praying in other tongues, your mind will fight you, your body will fight you, the enemy will fight you. In fact, I mentioned this in a recent service. The day after I was baptized with the Holy Spirit was a Monday, September 13th, 1976. And I was leaving the parking lot of the place I worked and I was turning left on a main four-lane highway and was waiting for the light to change, waiting for the green light and uh, was ready to turn. And I I was actually praying in the Spirit because the day before I'd just been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I heard come to my mind these words, you need to stop doing that. You're just making it up words came to my mind thoughts came to me that told me I was making up that language I was talking in that the Bible calls speaking in the unknown tongue or praying in the spirit and you know it made me so uh, uh, it's like an indignation rose up inside of me and I was just you know a day old in the Lord and I turned you know I remember turning making the turn and uh, going down the road, and and as I did, I said, "You know what? Just because of that, I'm a, that because I heard that, I'm going to pray in the Spirit all the way home." And I did. It made me so angry because I knew that what the Bible said was true. When I'm praying the Spirit, I'm praying the perfect will of God. I'm uttering secret truths and hidden things, not obvious to the mind. I'm praying the perfect prayer. I'm talking to God, and Satan doesn't know what I'm saying. So. That was just a catalyst for me. (laughs) Let it be a catalyst for you. When those thoughts come to your mind telling you you're wasting your time, it's doing no good, let that be a catalyst for you to continue. And so, listen, your mind will fight you, telling you, listen, your mind is accustomed to controlling everything about your life. Your mind uh, subliminally, your physical brain controls respiration, you know your heartbeat, all of the physical organs of your body and how they function, how they work, uh, the t- your, your temperature of your physical body it's so many uh, so many physical things there. Um, our brain also keeps us aware of our surroundings and that flight or flight, syndrome, fight or flight syndrome, you know, keeps us aware, aware of anything that may be a danger and seeks to keep us from being harmed. Our mind, I'm saying, has been given a, a, a dictate by God to help, help us as, as we live on the earth and our, our minds control and then our minds control everything about us just about. And, you know, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit, that's one thing your mind can't control. And, and your, your physical mind, your physical brain will challenge you when you're praying in the spirit not to do it because your physical mind or brain cannot control it. You control it. It's not your, your mind praying. It's not mental praying. It's spiritual praying. So you, you cross these hurdles. The enemy comes and attacks and says you're doing no good. Then you cross the hurdle of, of uh, your own, own physical person, your, your physical brain. Your your mind, then your physical body, you know, just telling you you don't feel anything, nothing's happening. Once you pass those barriers and just keep praying in the spirit, friend, uh, you can you can make some tremendous strides in God spiritually. And I just want you to know, all my life I have uh, prayed in the spirit, and God has done amazing things. I mentioned in a recent service, uh, Susan and I had been married for six months, and I had been. Uh, baptized with the Holy Spirit for, uh, I guess, about three and a half years at this time of my life, and I was praying in the Spirit after work one evening, and Susan and I were in our apartment uh, that we had rented after we got married, and I distinctly, as I was praying in the Spirit, up from inside of me floated, I want you to go to Kenneth Hagin School, Rhema Bible College, and it startled me when I heard that it floated up from inside when I was praying in the Spirit. See, he will show you things to come, Jesus said in, in John 16, 13, right? I went and told Susan. We sat down at the table to eat. She was fixing a dinner, and uh, we sat down to eat, and I said, Susan, I just got something while I was praying. I told her, and she told me, well, Mitch, I've been thinking the same thing. I thought, wow. See, see when God is in something and you're married, he will tell your spouse as well as you. And so you just need to wait and let the Lord do that. So all through my life, as I have prayed in the spirit, God has done amazing, amazing things in my life. Oh, back, way back in uh, 1989, um, somebody had, I'm making a long story short here, I had started a church, spent my savings starting a church, had no money left, and somebody came up to me and said, I'm going to give you the down payment on a house if you want to buy one. I said, wow, really? And so they offered it. I said, sure. So I went house looking, and uh, there was a house that needed repair uh, uh, that, anyway, and uh, a good-sized house. I had three children at the time, and the Holy Spirit unctioned me to offer a ridiculously low price on the house. If I told you, you would be astounded. In fact, often cars cost more than what I offered on this house. No kidding now. Not then. This is back in 1989. and uh, But see, I'd been praying in the Spirit that morning, and then I went with a realtor, and I began to... Uh, you know, we begin to look for houses, and the uh, as I was, and because I had been praying in the spirit inside of me, I had this number that I knew uh, as the as the offer on a house, how much I wanted to pay for the house that I needed to tell the realtor. When I did, the realtor laughed and said, "They'll never accept this. That, that there's no reason to tell the to, uh, to make that offer." I said, "Aren't you required by law if I ask?" She said, "Well, yeah." I said, "We'll make the offer," and uh, so you know, she did that that evening. The next day I got up and got a call from our realtor and said, she said, you won't believe what's happened. I said, yes, I will. What is it? She said, well, I told them the lowball figure you gave me the night last night and that they the family immediately refused, but they called me this morning and they accepted your offer. See, that's amazing. We got the, the, the deal of a century on a house. Why? Well, one of the reasons is because I was had been praying in the spirit and it made me sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and he spoke to me. Listen to this, uh, December of 1993. I think this was uh, looks like the first, first, uh, the first Monday of December 1993. It's Monday morning. I'm taking a shower. I'm shaving. I'm in the bathroom getting ready to go to work that day. I was pastoring a church for a guy in my hometown. I'm in the front of the mirror shaving my face. I've got my face lathered up. I'm shaving. And while I'm I had uh, prior to that, I had been praying and then praying in the spirit, and I had spent a good period of time praying in the spirit. And I, as I was shaving, I heard, I heard these words: "Go check your oil." I thought that's the craziest thing. I never check my oil on Monday mornings, and I knew that. And I thought I, I dismissed the thought, thinking that's crazy. I'm not doing that. Well, I kept shaving, and you know, putting the you know, putting the razor under the water and getting the, you know, lather off of it and going again, shaving my face. And I heard again, go check your oil. I heard it again, go check your oil. And and the whole time I was shaving, I could hear, go check your oil from inside of me. See, I'd been praying in the spirit. I'd been praying in other tongues. Jesus said, he'll show you things to come, right? Well, I thought, that's crazy. So I, you know, you know, dried off and whatever, and then put my clothes on and say, well, I'm going to go check my oil because I got this strong impression to check my oil. Y'all, I I had a van at the time. I raised the hood on the van. When I pulled the dipstick out to check the oil, it was full of sludge, uh, oil and water mixture. And you guys particularly know, if you've got an oil and water mixture in your oil, you got problems. My head gasket had burst. I immediately, I mean, drove that thing just a very short distance to uh, a person I knew was uh, was a car mechanic. And he looked at that and he said, I'm glad you didn't drive it any further because you would have ruined your engine. He changed and he was able to put a new head gasket on and clean the engine out and it was fine. Had I not heard from the Holy Spirit that morning while I was shaving after I had spent a period of time praying in tongues, I would have driven that uh, that vehicle, had no idea and would have had to put a new engine in it. And at the time, I just didn't have the finances to do that. See, God knows the things that are coming up in your future and he may has made available us to us. A way to pray for those things. How many hear what I'm saying? So listen, I, I um, back in 2016, I had been praying, and I got so many illustrations. I've got a dozen of these, dozens of these things that have happened to me. Let me tell you one couple of more, and then I must close today. Uh, back in 2016, January, again, it was on a Tuesday. I was praying in the Spirit that morning, got up really early. We have a men's uh, meeting on Tuesdays and I got up early, came to church early and I read my Bible and I was praying in the Spirit. And as I was praying in the Spirit, uh, after I prayed in the Spirit and the men were actually meeting, I I heard a word that rose up inside of me. It was the word trendsetter. And I never used that term. And uh, it kept coming up. You're a trendsetter. I want you to be a trendsetter. I said, I didn't know what it was. See, because I'd been praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit functioned me inside of me, and he gave me that word, trendsetter. I knew that he wanted me to make some changes in how I ministered here at Victory Church and how I led our church. I looked up the word trendsetter, and actually the etymology of the word is an uh, it's a um, Anglo-Saxon word, and it's really originally originally came from the round or the bend that a river makes as it makes a contour as it cuts a course through the countryside. Um, Or it also referred to um, the shoreline where the ocean beats up against the shore and contours the shore. So a trendsetter is a person who who, um, goes ahead of change. He, he cuts a new path in the forest, so to speak. And I knew that God wanted me to do something different with the leadership in our church, just intuitively. Well, the rest is history. We made I made a lot of changes with our church staff team, et cetera, during that time. A lot of people didn't understand what I was doing nor why. I was simply obeying the Lord. When you make changes, a lot of people misunderstood the changes. And as much as I tried to communicate, there's still a lot of people that misunderstood the changes I was making simply because I heard the Holy Spirit speaking in my spirit after a time of prayer. Here all these years later, Boy, those changes have, uh, our, our church has undergone a tremendous evolution, revolution, and we're not the same entity that we were before, and just how we guide the church is so much different. I have some great people that help us on our staff team. I have a great executive pastor with Mira, and uh, wow, these things are uh are just really going so well, and God is using us to minister life in so many ways, and that would not have happened the way it is now had I not been praying in the spirit and heard that word. trendsetter listen to this." So March, uh, let me think. It's March 13th, 2020. As you know, March uh, March 2020 is when COVID, you know, shut everything down and they shut churches down really nationwide. Also here in North Carolina, and uh, I uh and so uh, p- prior to that i had been to a, a board meeting on a ministry i was a part of and i was a, a part of the uh, board of that directors of that ministry we were up in the mountains of tennessee and i didn't have my phone on i didn't have access to news we were having a board meeting waiting on the lord when i came back that thursday night which was the 12th of march um I turned the news on and saw, what is this COVID thing that's hitting? And the news was talking about that, yada, yada. Then I went to bed, got up the next morning, March 13th, Friday morning, and uh, prayed, and I always take time to pray in the Spirit, among other things. And I prayed in the Spirit, and as I prayed in the Spirit, I prayed in the Spirit a good long while, I don't know. Usually I try to pray um, 40, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour in other tongues in the morning. And I had been praying that same way that morning. And I, you know, sat back down on the couch after I had been praying. in the spirit I may have been on my knees. And I got up and just sat on the couch. And while I sat on the couch, this word COVID-19, I remembered the news talking about it the night before. And immediately after I prayed and I was thinking about COVID-19, the word nefarious came up to me. And I knew full well that this thing, this debacle that would hit the earth, called COVID-19 was nefarious. That is, there was an undercurrent to it. It was not the way it appears. It's not the way that it seems. There's a bigger scheme to it. Here we are four years later. That absolutely is true now. And I'm not even going into the weeds about that, except to say the Lord warned me that it was nefarious. Let me say six months prior to Covid nineteen hitting. We had a we were having a prayer meeting on October sixth, two thousand nineteen. Six months prior to Covid hitting, and I was praying in the spirit. We were a group of believers were meeting on that Sunday night here at our church, Victory Church. I was sitting on a stool in the front, leading the prayer meeting. I usually read something and then we pray. I was sitting on a stool, and as I began to pray, I began to pray in the spirit. And God gave me the interpretation of what I was praying, and it was that there would be be something huge that would hit uh, the world, the United States, and would uh, affect people in a very serious, serious manner and would change things in a large way. He didn't tell me what it was. Six months later when COVID hit, I knew that's what I had prayed about October 6, 2019. And then here's what has given me encouragement. See, right on the heels of that. As I was praying in the spirit, God gave me the interpretation of what I was praying. And the interpretation was the end result. And after this event occurs, which later I found out was COVID-19, after this huge event occurs that will jar people, uh, after that will come the fulfillment of Joel 2. And Joel 2.28 is where God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, etc. cetera. So, wow. See, that gives me tremendous confidence that regardless of what's happening all over the world, God is going to pour out his spirit in tremendous ways. He promised to do it. And friends, we're on the heels of tremendous things. Yes, darkness is coming. Yes, darkness is looming. Yes, Jesus is coming back. And the words of the prophets are going to be fulfilled. But at the same time, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us We have the ability to pray in the Spirit. And I know full well what we're going into, we're going to see the absolute glory of God manifest in a dark, dark time. I'm really excited about that. And I know as we continue, as I continue to pray in the Spirit, I know if you'll take time to pray in the Spirit every day, you can pray out the secret things of God in your personal life that are coming up that you don't know about. You can utter secret truths and hidden things as Amplified says in 1 Corinthians 14, 2. You can pray the perfect will of God by praying in the Spirit, as Paul alluded to in Romans 8, 26 and 27. The Holy Spirit will show us things to come as Jesus said in John sixteen thirteen. As we take time to pray in the Spirit, that is, pray in other tongues. Let the Holy Spirit influence our spirit. And then as He does, you know, it's amazing how life just begins to work out. I haven't had time to talk a lot about all of the experiences I've had, but let me just say all through these these forty This year will be 48 years. It's 47 and a half years now that I have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and praying in other tongues. I have had things work out that should not have worked out. I have had things happen that should not have happened to the positive. And I know full well it's because I take time every day to pray in other tongues. You know, the, the sister verse to Romans 8, 26 and 27 is Romans 8, 28. And I'll leave it with this. And it says, for we know that all things work together. For good, one translation says, and fitter pattern for good to them who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So, you know, that verse is taken out of its setting if with it is not included, Romans eight twenty six and 27. As you pray, as the Holy Spirit helps our weakness, which is not knowing what we should pray for as we should, as we pray in the Spirit and we're praying the perfect will of God, then all things work together for good. Things may not work together for good for you, even if you're a believer. If you're not praying, the enemy could take advantage of you. That's the reason that we need to take time regularly, daily, pray in the Spirit, pray in other tongues. Jesus said he would show us things to come. When we do, in a certain sense, we also exercise our authority over the demonic powers. And you know what? We're praying in the purposes of God. As we pray in the Spirit, I can't encourage you enough. Take some time in your personal life to pray in the Spirit today and every day. If you don't pray in the Spirit, any you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, then, then go after it and begin to pray. Pray in other tongues. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, get somewhere by yourself and ask God to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and he will. And if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, come and see me. If you're in Raleigh, come to our church and say, I want your born-again believer. I'll pray for you. You can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You can pray in the Spirit. My encouragement, use this wonderful tool that God has given us in prayer, praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, praying out the mind, purpose, and will of God. And when we do, all things will work together for good as we go through this really strange time. God bless you. Uh, May God bless everything you set your hand to do this week, and, uh, and may he guide your steps in his perfect plan. God bless you. Talk to you next time. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope it blesses you spiritually and helps you grow closer to God. Before you go, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Um, Those simple steps go a long way to helping us reach new listeners that need to hear these messages. Also, I would love for you to reach out to me with any questions or comments you have about the topics I discuss. My email is pastor at and it's in the show notes uh, there on the screen you have. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.